Father, we just uh, come before you this morning, and you have a calling upon your church to go and make disciples of all nations. And Lord, we, we need you. We need you to do that uh, in our lives. You need, we, we need you to move in our hearts, Lord God, to have your heart in our heart. So Father, I pray by your Holy Spirit, would you move amongst us now upon the preaching of your word, that by your spirit you would impact our hearts, that you would open up within each individual here the calling that you've placed in each of our lives, Lord God, the unique calling that you've placed in our lives. Would you speak to us this morning, God? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Last week we started... uh, series called Trader, and the reason why it's Trader is because we're talking about trading our pursuits for comfort, for wealth, and for material, Christ and his kingdom. And the reason why we're talking about this is because some of us may think of this trade as a lopsided trade. Really want to do that. Like, honestly, if we... honest with ourselves, do we really want to trade our comforts? Do we really want to trade things that we do in our lives for Christ? Do we really want to do that? Seems like a lopsided trade, right? Now, of course, there's an element of sacrifice that is made when we trade our pursuits for the kingdom. Of course there is, but it's not the type of trading that maybe you and I have experienced in the past with your kids, you know, when perhaps someone at school, is it, it's cutting in and out, eh, my mic? Okay, I'm just going to. Not the type of trade that you and I may have experienced at school when we were kids, when somebody looked at you and said, hey, that nice chocolate bar there of yours, I'll trade you that chocolate bar for this carrot, you know? Well, some of you would be like, well, actually, that is a good trade, but... <clears throat> Right? It's not that kind of trade. It's not like the type of trade where like, hey, I've got this shiny nickel. I'll trade you for that crumpled up dollar. You know? It's not that kind of a lopsided trade, trading our comforts and our, our pursuits for Christ. It's not that kind of a trade. The trading that we're talking about is more like what's written in Matthew chapter 13, which says this in verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Pursuing Christ and his kingdom is treasure. It's a treasure, like this great pearl, of, a pearl of great price. When a person finds it, they sell everything. Everything they have is not worth the kingdom of God. That's what this is talking about. And that's the type of trading that we are talking about. When we see Jesus and the kingdom of God as our greatest treasure, the trading part, it becomes automatic. It becomes natural. It's a no-brainer. And when God's people become traders, trading our pursuits for God, the world notices that because they see a treasure that we have that they they don't know. It's like, what is it about this Christian? I want what they have. That's what it means to be a trader. And so last week we talked about the importance of abiding in Christ. We looked at the passage in John chapter 15, 
starting in verse 5, it's talking about the vine and the branches and the importance of abiding, remaining in Christ, being connected to Christ, right? And so this week, um, we're going to be looking at another aspect of abiding in Christ, okay? Another aspect of being connected to Christ, which is being connected to his heart and what Jesus is passionate about. Because a part of being a trader is trading our passions for his passions. Now, I just want to say that pursuing our passions isn't necessarily a bad thing. Okay? There's things that we're passionate about that we do. It's not necessarily a bad thing unless they distract us from Christ. If the things that we pursue in life distract us from Christ, they are distracting us from that which brings us ultimate satisfaction in life. And that's Jesus. We're being distracted. Christ is the ultimate treasure. But let me ask you this question. What is something that you're passionate about? Just think about that for a moment. What is something you're passionate about? Some of us may be passionate about our health, right? And so because you're passionate about your health, you take time to have a regular exercise routine, developing eating, healthy eating habits. That's a good thing. Some of us are passionate um, about learning new things. And so because you have a passion to learn new things, you read a lot, you research a lot, maybe take courses about various things, right? Some of us are passionate about animals. My daughter is very passionate about animals, right? She takes great concern in treating animals in a humane fashion, even a fly, right? I actually... Yeah, I was about to kill this fly in our house the other day. She caught it. Eden caught it with her hand and uh, brought it outside. I'm like, wow, it's pretty, pretty amazing if <laughs> she could do that. Anyways, right? Some of us are passionate about the environment. These are good things. And you do your part to encourage others to be mindful of protecting our environment, our planet, from harmful pollution. Again, these are all good things. There's nothing wrong with them. In fact, I would encourage you to continue to pursue these things. But have you ever wondered if what you were passionate about and what God was passionate about was the same thing? What you were passionate about and what God is passionate about, is it the same thing? Now, I must admit, I came to discover what God was passionate about almost by accident. Okay, this was about 12, what, where are we, 2016? So in 2003, wow, time flies. 13 years ago. 13 years ago, this was around the time I first came to Jesus, uh, when I first became a Christian. Um, again, I was very passionate about God. I just wanted more of God. I went to every Christian service I could think of. And around that time, my parents invited me to go on a missions trip with their church um, to a First Nations reserve. And I've never... I've never really thought of what that would be like, you know. No clue. I just said, yeah, I'll go. Sure. I want to go tell people about Jesus, tell them that God loves them. I'll go. I'll go wherever, right? And so I was signed up to go to Pick River First Nations Reserve, and I had no idea what to expect, nothing, nothing in my mind. I just, th- I just thought, we're going to go and do a VBC because that was what we were going to do, you know, go up and engage the kids at this uh, First Nations Reserve, And so I just had to get my part right, you know, the drama and all that. So that was in my mind. I had no idea what what to expect. 
When I got there, I mean, it was quite a drive to get there. It took like two days to get there. Um, Pick River First Nations is um, north of Lake Superior National Park. Um, I just remember it being two days' drive. It was a long drive and uh, way up there. And when I got there, I was shocked, like shocked to see people living in conditions like that. I didn't think that there were third world living conditions in Canada. I was shocked. And seeing kids as young as, I mean, 11, 12 years old, just standing around in circles, smoking cigarettes. And I thought, what is this? What, what is this? I was shocked. And the homes that they were living in was, it was brutal. Like really broken down trailers and it was really sad. And just the other day I was at um, McLennan Park. How many of you have ever been to McLennan Park? What a park, right? I mean, they have a dog park. You know, I love it there because I could take my dog to the dog park. The kids could play on the playground, you know. If I was a BMX bike rider, I could do that there, right? Skateboarding park, it's just amazing what we have. We live in a great country, we do. But Pick River First Nations Reserve had nothing. Dirt roads, nothing. No playground, there was nothing. And it broke my heart. And I believe it breaks God's heart too, to see that. And it was a part of the reason why God called us to go there, to speak hope, to speak love into a hopeless situation. My heart still breaks for them because, I mean, we went up there for a week and then we came back and we cut ties. We, I don't, I've never, we haven't gone back there. And I'm like, oh man, I wish we could do more. You know, my hope is that God sent other groups there to continue the work that we did. That's, that's my hope. Then I started researching about the Native Reserves system, and I realized how <laughs> it's, it's injustice. Bottom line, it is. People were taken from their homes, relocated to areas where they just they had no idea. It's not, it's not their homeland. Forced to live there. It's horrible. And, and just like this morning, we were praying about Attawapiskat. You know how far north that is? That's so way up there. There's nothing up there. That's where they live. Disconnected from everything. It's sad. It's a sad situation. I believe God's heart breaks for situations like that. And there are so many injustices in the world, right? Not just in Canada. And I just want to say this, just before I move on. We do. We live in a great country, I, I, I admit. I mean... We can say what we want to say about Canada, but it is a great country. We do. But there are parts of this world that it's just unreal what happens to people. The UN put out this number. 25,000 children die each day of hunger or hunger-related issues. I'm like, really? Man, I just went to a buffet last week. We We could stop this. It doesn't have to be this way. Nearly 2 million children are exploited in the global sex trade. That's from UNICEF. That number came out of UNICEF. That's, that's atrocious. 27 million slaves in the world today. There's slavery in the world today. 
still today. And over 3 million refugees have fled Syria in search of asylum from the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees. Left their homes. Unreal. And and we look at what happens in this world. This actually happens in this world, church. This, This stuff actually happens in this world. And we can look at all this and say, are you, God? Where are you? Two million children are being exploited in the sex, sex trade. Where are you, God? Psalm 10.1 states it well. Why, O oh Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Why? Right? Oftentimes when we see situations like this, it's quite easy and natural in some ways for people to ask, where are you? Don't you have a plan, God? What's the plan, God? God does have a plan. Church, God has a plan. And guess what? We are a part of that plan. We are, we are it. Okay? God has chosen his people to be a part of his plan. To correct injustice in this world. Matthew chapter 5, 14 says... You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Jesus didn't say, you have the potential to be the light of the world. He didn't say, someday you might be the light of the world. He said, we're it. We're the light of the world. The church is. We shed light on injustice in this world. So what is injustice? What is it? Well, this word can get thrown around and often watered down, right? especially here in Canada. It's not when you're driving down 401, okay, and you've been waiting, it's traffic, and you've been waiting in that lane for an hour. And someone just comes, you know, out of nowhere, like, really fast, and cuts in in front of you. Although annoying as that is, right? It's like, oh! (laughs) Sorry. Calm down, James. Calm down. Oh. It's annoying. It is. In some ways, I could say, that's not justice. That's injustice right there, man. I'm a victim of injustice. That's not the injustice that we're talking about. Right? Or suppose you're in the line at the grocery store. It's the 1 to 12 item line, right? 1 to 12 items. I have 10 items. I am in this line for real. The person in front of you, they've got 16 items. You've counted. There's 16 items. You're like, this is not, that's, that's injustice. Right? Six cans of soup doesn't count for one item, folks. Okay? What is that? As unfair as that is, that's not the injustice that we're talking about. Right? The injustice that the Bible is talking about is the abuse of power. Okay? Psalm 10, verses 7 to 11 says this. His mouth is filled with cursing and deceit and oppression. This is talking about the one who is perpetrating injustice. Okay? Someone who is perpetrating injustice. This is what it's talking about. Under his tongue are mischief and iniquity. He sits in ambush in the villages. In hiding places, he murders the innocent. His eyes stealthily watch for the helpless. He lurks in ambush like a lion in his thicket. He lurks that he may seize the poor. He seizes the poor when he draws him into his net. The helpless are crushed sink down, and fall by his might. 
He says in his heart, God has forgotten. He has hidden his face. He will never see it. And so often this abuse of power, this type of injustice, happens to the poor or those who don't have power, those who don't really have a say, right? Injustice is when someone takes away another's life, liberty, and dignity, or the fruits of their love and labor. That's injustice. That's what the Bible calls injustice, right? Ecclesiastes 4.1 says this, Again, I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun, and behold, the tears of the oppressed, and they had no one to comfort them. On, this, on the side of their oppressors, there was power, and there was no one to comfort them. This is in God's word because this is God's heart. God's heart breaks for these people. And there are many stories in the world today, right now, of people who are being oppressed and are victims of terrible injustice. Here's a story I got off the uh, UN Refugee Agency website. A man by the name of Marwan. Uh, Marwan, I couldn't get a better picture. That, that's the best picture I could get. Um, it's hard to see. Well, actually, you can't see it, but he's missing his right arm. Okay, he doesn't, doesn't have his right arm. Marwan is the eldest child of a six-member family originating from South Latakia, a seaside town in Syria. He was 21 when he lost his right arm and left eye from a shell explosion in August 2012. Now, this story contains some graphic details, so I'll try to uh, be careful. But I was, this is what he, he wrote this. He said, I was doing my military service in Damascus. After the outbreak of the war, I was sent to Hama. There, I refused orders to participate in shelling areas where anti-regime demonstrations had been organized. I went into hiding in a friend's house at a neighboring village and decided to flee to Turkey. Upon leaving on on August 22nd, the army began shelling. I tried to hide in a house, and suddenly I saw my arm being torn away from the rest of my body. I took my arm on the bus, and I was hoping I could have it reattached through surgery. When we reached a makeshift hospital, one and a half hours later, I lost consciousness. Doctors tended to my wounds and removed a piece of shrapnel from my left eye. There was nothing more they could do, they said but I refused to give up. Along with two good friends, we entered Turkey, and I was hospitalized in Antakya. I was willing to travel anywhere I could receive treatment for my eye and get a prosthetic limb. We were determined to cross into Turkey, but we lacked passports and money to pay the smugglers. Then we took a big decision. We would swim to the island of Castellarizo. We would unite Asia with Europe by swimming. On November 1st, 2013, we reached Kaz in Turkey and the closest cape to Castellarizo. We dove in the water with our clothes on around 8 p.m. We had wrapped our cell phones in plastic bags and tied our shoes around our belts. The sea was calm but cold. We We swam quietly, making no noise. We reached Castellarizo after an hour and 20 minutes. We lit a fire to dry up and turn ourselves over to the police. They wouldn't believe us. They kept searching for the the dinghy and the smuggler. We received a six-month suspension of removal. I did not want to submit an, an asylum claim in Greece because it would not secure me a prosthetic limb or bare necessities for a normal life. 
Marwan is now in another European country where he has applied for asylum and gets proper medical care. Marwan's story is one of thousands that are being told around the world. There are many people from, I mean, several different countries. It's not just Syria. There's, there's many countries where war has just ravaged the land and people are fleeing their lives with their kids, leaving their homes in search of safety. Right? It's happening in many parts of this world. And one of the places that they're coming to seek asylum is our country, Canada. Right? They're coming here. And church, we're called to help. We're called to be the light of the world. That's what God calls us to be. To be light for these people who are fleeing darkness. And that's what it means to be a traitor. We must hate injustice. The things that break God's heart must break our hearts. So how do we help? How do we help these people? We help by offering advocacy and relief to those in need. Isaiah 1.17, this is what it says. Very simple. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Okay. Very simple command. Let me read again. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Now we can read about the injustice in the world. right? We could hear it on the news hear about what's happening in Attawapiskat, hear about what's happening in, in the Middle East and the refugees that are fleeing, and it's like, man, it's, it can be overwhelming, right? And for us specifically here at Trinity, it's like, how can we help? What, what can we possibly do? Because there's so much injustice in the world. What can we do to help fix these issues? How could we anyway? We're so small. Like, how could we do this? Let me remind you of the story of the feeding of the 5,000, okay? It was lunchtime. There were thousands who gathered to listen to Jesus speak. Now, the number, it's 5,000, but in those days, they only counted men. They didn't count women and children. Who knows what the number would have been, but it was way more than 5,000, okay? It could have been 20,000 people, right? They were hungry. These people were hungry. They were in search of food. And Jesus tells his disciples, feed them. That, let's think about that for a minute. Isn't that interesting? There's 20, let's just say, there's 20,000 people, okay? Even the number 5,000 is, is a big number, but there's all these people, thousands of people, and, and he turns to his disciples and he says, feed them. <laughs> Could you imagine what the disciples would have thought? They're like, we barely have food for us, 12. We've got five loaves of bread and two fish. That, that's all we have. These two fish, five loaves of bread. Jesus says, bring it. And so they give it to Jesus, and he provides, he takes responsibility. He provides the miracle. All he asks for us is obedience. When we seek justice in the face of huge giants of injustice, we give God our five loaves and two fish. Because that's all we can give. For some of us, it's not much. But we give it to God. When we simply bring Jesus what we have and trust him, he moves in ways that are way beyond our imagination. Okay? So today, church, I want to encourage us. You know, especially this is Relief and Development Sunday. Um, EMC churches all across 
um, our denomination have had relief and development Sundays where they, you know, they pick a, they pick a cause to support. Um, I would encourage us to pray. We're going to be taking up a, an R&D, relief and development offering, two Sundays from now on June 5th. Okay, and that money, the missions committee has decided to designate it towards the EMCC Refugee Fund. Okay, and so what that is, this EMC has an agreement with the Christian Missionary Alliance, the Associated Gospel Churches, and the Fellowship of Baptist Churches to work together to sponsor refugees. And this fund that we will be uh, supporting will provide needed support for those who take on the responsibility of sponsoring refugees and helping them to get established in Canada. Okay? So we could do this. Church, we could do this together. Right? We could bring our five loaves and two fish. We can bring light into this dark world. We can put an end to injustice in this world, one life at a time, with God on our side. We could do this. We, we could do this. So church, I want to encourage you. Pray about it. God, what would you have me give? And then we'll take up that offering in two Sundays from now. And there will be more details about that. But in closing, I want us to read Psalm 10, verse 17 to 18. Um, let's read this together in one voice as a prayer. Okay? So let's, let's read this. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed so that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you, and Lord, we ask that the things that break your heart would break our hearts. That the things that are happening in this world, Father, that you would shed light on those things and call us to partner with you to bring an end to the injustice in this world, Father. That your kingdom would come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And a part of your kingdom coming is bringing an end to this suffering and injustice that happens, Lord. And in particular, Father, we're going to be supporting the refugee fund for the countless refugees who are here. I don't know how many are exactly in number, but Father, for those who are here who have escaped brutal situations back home, they are now in a country that is foreign to them. But Father, help us to show them a love that is truly out of this world, a love that comes from you. That they would receive all the care that they need to get back on their feet and to have a hope and a future here. So Father, use us, the five loaves and the two fish that we bring. May you use it, multiply it, that it may... Um, Bring glory to your name and expand your kingdom here in Canada, Lord. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this nation we live in. For the freedom that we experience here. Help us share that experience, Lord, with others who desperately need it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.